In this digital first world, the old ways of recruiting are becoming obsolete. Or are they? The talent demands on every business has put TA squarely in the hot seat. Welcome to Talent Acquisition in the Trenches, a real dialogue podcast with talent acquisition pros closest to the front line. We want to talk to our peers who are actually doing the heavy lifting day in and day out. You're going to learn what their biggest challenges are and how they're being solved. I'm your host, Matt Reimer, and I'm here to talk about TA. I've been in TA for over 20 years, and what I know is that I don't know. I'm here to listen and learn just like you. No scripts, just real dialogue. Talent Acquisition in the Trenches is powered by NACR, the preeminent association for healthcare recruitment professionals focused on education, networking, and providing resources to enable our members to become strategic business partners in the ever-changing healthcare environment. My friends call me Reimer, so friends, let's create some new riffs with Reimer. Thanks for checking in. Today's guest is Justin Cook. Justin is an experienced pharmacist with a diverse healthcare background, taking a clinical path to his current role as director of TA at Indiana University Health, one of the largest single state health systems in the country. His expertise spans various roles, including clinical ops, something we haven't had on the show today, and I'm super excited to have that expertise here, and then into a leadership position within talent acquisition. His team of over 40 TA pros fill nearly 12,000 roles in in 2022. He runs a busy shop. Justin and I met a few months back, and his energy and enthusiasm for what we do in healthcare is what we need more of. I love his people-first virtues and his focus on process improvement as a TA leader. We plan today to learn much more about his point of view of leading healthcare TA teams and what he's focused on as he evolves ORC, how he's automating interview scheduling, what he's doing to leverage SMS, and his viewpoint on event management. Justin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Matt. Really excited to jump in with you today. Thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm super happy to have you here. And like we were talking you know, just a few minutes ago, having a doctor on the show is a first for me. And so I think already we've elevated the, the show's status here just by having you here today. I'm not sure about that, but I, I appreciate it. So I do have a, a background as a clinician, although we'll jump into that. I'm sure I don't know if you want me filling your prescriptions any longer. <laughs> yeah. So so you so you graduate in 2012 from Butler with a, with a doctorate in in pharmacy and pharmacy, and so then you start your career as a pharmacist. So you're you're a practicing clinician, and then quickly move yourself into to a leadership role. Within clinical ops, you know, if, if you if you get to check out Justin's LinkedIn page, you, you'll see that, you know, he he very quickly got himself into leadership. So can can you talk to me a little bit about you know that rapid movement in your career, why you were attracted into to a leadership role on the clinical ops side, and then you know maybe lean into how you got into talent acquisition and 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 why you transitioned over to us here in in recruitment. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'll start with saying I went into pharmacy school to help people and I, I love interacting with people and uh, being able to help them in their path towards better health. It's just something that's really, pa- I'm really passionate about. And I remember when I was in school, I, I had a class right before our clinical rotations and our professor asked, Hey, who knows what they want to do when they graduate? And my hand is shot straight up, Matt. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And that was to become a clinical farm, a pharmacist in a, in a, in a community practice setting and a community hmm. pharmacist. And that's what I did. Hmm. And I uh, became a community pharmacist for a few years. And, you know, little did I know back then how my path has, has then taken, because I was one of only three people that raised their hand in that class. And I think everybody else 
knew a little, had a little bit more knowledge than I did at that time because they knew that their past may look a lot different than what they think it'll be today. Yeah, and that's well, kind where, of where did that passion come from? Why, 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 why did you know intently that that's what you wanted to do? Yeah, I, I think it goes back to you know some of the values that I've had growing up and being mm-hmm. able to serve others. And I come from a a family of of faith, and you know going back to some high school experiences, I think just that community service aspect really drew to me. I'm also a learner by nature, and, and I really enjoy learning new things. And that's that's a skill set that I've been able to use to learn, you know, farm kinetics all the way to how to read a PL and how to lead, you know, a team of 250 to now TA operations and, and technology. So I, I love just digging in and exploring. So I was a pharmacist for a few years, and I, I raised my hand wanting to do more with with the organization. I was with a large community chain at the time. And I was 25 years old, Matt, and given the keys to a pharmacy district of 22 store locations, 60 pharmacists, over 200 pharmacy technicians, and 175 million revenue. Mm. And, uh, you know, I had to figure out really quickly the importance of people Mm. and the importance Mm. of staffing. And I was really, it took me a little bit to figure that out early in my career. But once I did, I was really good at recruiting people, bringing them into my organization and really strong at building capabilities in my leaders. And, and also building redundancies with bin strength and, and developing those capabilities. So those are things that I had as a, you know, as a, the, some of those leadership aspects that I, that I knew and I, I had built and, and doing it as a, as a hiring leader at the time, I think is more unique to have some of those experiences before doing anything formally in talent acquisition. Yeah. As a hiring leader, so somebody that, you know, that's, that's a big team that you're running, you know, at age 25, right? You said, you know, it took a minute, but but you learned quickly the, you know, the the value of people and, and the value of being people first. And I, I know we've we've talked and went back uh, mm-hmm. back and forth a little bit about that. You know, I, I guess somebody in that seat. So let's think about our audience a little bit. And so we got recruiters listening, we got heads of TA listening in. Somebody that's in that clinical seat. What what kind of pressures are on them day in and day out? You know, to where maybe that that recruitment isn't a top priority or that you know, that, that retention focus isn't a top priority. What's the day in a life like for somebody running a clinical ops? I have a lot of empathy, you know, for, for those leaders. And I, I deeply understand what it was like to be in their shoes. And mm-hmm. I think that it allows, it allows me to lead a team that, that can be more supportive and proactive. At the same time, it gives me a lot of credibility. Mm-hmm. And I think in order, for, in order for any of our teams to be effective as a, as a leader, you have to have a primary focus on people. Mm-hmm. And, and if, you know, if we have a hiring leader or, or back when I was a hiring leader, if, if you didn't have that, that strong culture within your team, if you didn't have a strong focus on employee retention and recognition and engagement, you're not going to be able to attract people into your organization. You're certainly not going to be able to, to keep them. And I'm a big believer. People don't work for an organization or the name. They they work for that leader. And mm-hmm. and so those are some of the things that I learned as a healthcare operations leader that I'm able to then share with with my hiring leaders and, and help you know through my team help educate and bring forward some of those best practices. So what what are some of those best practices you know in in your mind? And so you know a typical week for Justin. You know how are you? running a people first operation, you know, is it something about how you handle your one-on-ones? Is it your meetings? You know, how, is it how you manage your time? You know, maybe, maybe unpack that a little bit for us. Yeah. So when I first came into this role and, and prior to here, I was running 
pharmacist recruitment in the Midwest for a large chain store and wanted an opportunity to expand that and become a, you know, get, get more diversity in my experiences here in Indiana. So I've, I've been here at Indiana University Health for a little over a year, about 14 months or so. Mm-hmm. One of the things I saw, Matt, when I first came on is just a, a no fault of their own, but a lot of, a lot of lack of leadership was there that my position was open for quite a while. There was a lot mm-hmm. of recruiter burnout, a lot of turnover, but also a lot of, a lot of potential. People's heart were in the right place. And to keep it simple is you got to love on your team. Mm-hmm. And I you, love that, man. You got to show them <laughs> how much you value them, yeah. Matt. And it's a culture that as a leader, no matter if you're in TA or, or in ops or otherwise, you, you have to do that. That is your number one priority. And, and some of the you know, questions that for our leaders is how do they balance their increasing workloads with that priority? And I think it comes down to ensuring that it is, you know, and that it is a priority. You're not missing a team member's birthday. You're not mm-hmm. missing their kid's birthday, you know, an important work anniversary. You know what matters most to each individual team member. And and it's a culture. It's a culture creating recognition across peer groups, across teams. But six months prior to me coming on, we we had significant turnover within our recruiters. We lost 13 recruiters in the six months before I came. In the last six months, we've lost two. And yeah. those two have been both out-of-state moves that, you know, for closer for family reasons. So we've really been able to stabilize that. And as a result, our, our results have then, you know, gone into a whole new level. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? And and you know this idea of loving on your team. I mean, I, I love that. It's simple. It's straightforward, right? It can mean you know different things, obviously, for 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 different lead, leaders. One of the things that that I consistently try to remind myself, and and I heard this a while back, and I really like it. I don't even know where I got it from, which is to be interested, not interesting, right? And and so it's this idea of being really interested in what your team's into, with their problems, what's what's in front of them being empathetic, you know, as it relates to those and then, you know, being real with them, like, Hey, some of these things I can influence or support or help out with. And, and some of these things, you know, I'm unable to like that. I just don't have control of that thing that's in front of you. You know, I, I guess, are, are there other tips and tricks for maybe a, a, a new TA manager coming in on, you know, Hey, I've got a team of 15 I'm dealing with, right? How am I interested in, or how do I, how do I ensure that the team is getting the the things that they need from me. And any tips or tricks on that? Yeah, I actually think there's a, a pretty close connection as a so as a recruiter, you have to personalize the value proposition of that candidate, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to know what's important to that candidate. What benefit am I going to sell? What matters? This is an IU Health a vernacular that we use, but what matters most to that person? It, I, I think it's no different when it comes to a leadership role. You've got to know what matters most to your team. And you know how do they like to to be shown appreciation and and, and I you know focus on that that part, but also from a development standpoint, what are where do they want to take their career? And and these are some of the skills that I've brought from my clinical operations roles as far as hey my entire team ha- has working IDPs, you know my entire team they, we have we have goals personal developmental goals that we're working out outside of our day to day business and recruitment goals and you know that engagement and and at a whole nother level is, is really important. And it's, it's critical as a leader that you do a lot of listening yep. and, and hearing what, what it is that's important to your team and, and take tangible steps to, to enact and improve things. Yeah, I love that. So, so I, I want to maybe transition a little bit over into, you know, talking about, you know, some of the, 
you know, the, the, the innovation that you're running and some of the focus that you're doing project Oreo, you know, is, is, is out there. But before we do that, what, what, tell me, why did you transition from the clinical side into, into talent acquisition? Like why, why did that, what, what caused you to do that? Yeah, I, so I actually had a unique internship when I was a, a pharmacy student. I had a, I was a talent acquisition intern for pharmacy, for pharmacy interns. And I, I, I supported campus recruitment and helped build summer internship programs. And that, I didn't realize it at the time, but that stuck with me, Matt. And I, I had a very early introduction to leadership and a very early introduction into talent acquisition. And that, that was a seed that grew in me throughout my career, because no matter what I did from there, the focus on recruiting and developing a team and building those best practices for having strong, strong bench strength, it it continued to, to be instilled in me. And I, you know, 10 years later, after having that internship, the gentleman I did the internship with here in Indianapolis actually retired and I took his position, which it can't really came full circle. And, uh, and so, you know, for me, it was being able to, as a healthcare provider, being able to make an impact through the, through the, the folks that we rec- we hire for and recruit is it's a way for me to make a contribution at a whole nother level. I mean, we talk about, you know, nearly 12,000 positions filled last year. I, I couldn't do that as a single, you know, pharmacist. And, and, and certainly the impact is different, but it's really rewarding. And that, that piece in particular is what really attracted me to healthcare TA. Yeah, that that's awesome. And and like you had said, it probably brings like when you're dealing with clinical leadership, it, it brings a you know a level of credibility that that you know you can you know empathize to, to the position that they're in. So, uh, you know, I guess you know thinking a little bit about you know what what it might be like inside of your operations. Like, what are what are some of the larger problems that you're working to solve today? Um, to to remove those barriers for your team, is there anything that you'd like to unpack and and maybe talk a little bit about? Yeah, so I, I think first and foremost, you know, if we think about people and process and technology, my focus was was on people very heavily at first, and I don't think it's stepwise at all. Each kind of stabilizes the next. You need all three, and you need to do them simultaneously in a lot of situations, but. I had to have that strong foundation of people and processes. And, you know, we've, we have stabilized our processes quite a bit and, and we've seen some significant reductions in, in time to fill, for example, our, our time to fill my scope has dropped by 15 days in the, la- in the last year. And that's just focusing on some of the behaviors. It's a lot of behavioral based things with our team, uh, accountability and responsibilities with our team, but also what our hiring leader own and so now what I'm transitioning into over the last few months and into the rest of the year is outside of my, my day-to-day mm-hmm. job is what you mentioned, our, our project Oreo. So we have our ATS is, is Oracle, and I've kind of dubbed this the Oracle Redesign and Experience Optimization, which is where the Oreo or Oreo comes from. <laughs> the Oracle comes from. It, you how, how long has Oracle been uh, deployed? How long has that been in production there? So a little background for us, it's, it's, it was built, our, our Oracle processes were built in 2019 okay. with the goal of going live in 2020 and early 2020 and a little, little thing called COVID came out right, right then. So that was pushed a little bit further until December of 2020. Adoption was early 2021, height of COVID pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, and peak. And so the adoption was never really there. The training was never really there a lot of opportunities. And, and Matt, so, you know, as I was focusing on people and, and realizing that, hey, our processes haven't, 
they haven't been touched. And the mm-hmm. leaders that built these processes and integrations, all, almost all of them or all of them, were no longer here and, and took other opportunities. And part of, that's part of those leadership gaps that we saw. And so you know, what I'm doing is, is rethinking the entire thing and, and, re- and truly redesigning what that experience looks like. And one of, the, one of the coolest things that we've done so far, there's a variety of different projects that are going concurrently throughout this year. But one of the things that we're wrapping up right now is redesigning our application. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the most important things as a leader that you look at and have you applied to you know, a position, see what it looks like from that, from that, that lens. But we're making it simpler for our candidates and getting our time to apply down to right now, Matt, we're at seven minutes to apply, getting that closer for my, my sweet spot is five minutes for, for professional and nursing about three and a half for entry mm-hmm. levels and trying to balance the requirements of what we need with not dragging on an application too long and you know tracking things like our application completes. But, but we, have, we did extensive research with competitors outside of the healthcare industry, within the healthcare industry, Oracle users, every single question that we could ask, can we move this? Can we brand it this mm-hmm. way? Can we ver- change it this way? Can we have a drop down here? Every single thing that we wanted to instill, we'd ask those questions and with, with our design partners and our, on our, our IIS team. And, and, and though we can't complete every requirement or everything mm-hmm. that we were looking for, a vast majority, you know, we could, mm-hmm. or we could adopt within, within our ATS. And so we're really excited about some of those changes and, 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 and looking forward to, you know, implementing them. The, the the Oracle system, you know, whether it's Oracle, Workday, you know, et cetera, I think sometimes we'll get, you know, maybe a, a bad rap that it's not as configurable as maybe what it needs to be to, you know, contextualize down to what a recruiter needs it to do or, a, you know, a coordinator needs it to do day in and day out. But but you're saying, you know, you're finding different that, that you can, you believe you can configure a clean process for your team and, and, and allow them to run, you know, more effectively. Are, are there... Are there certain, you know, kind of pinch points or, you know, process metrics that you're trying to really evolve or deal with as, as it relates to Project Oreo? And so, you know, you had mentioned this, this time to fill drop, which, you know, in a period of time, you know, and, and I just actually was, you know, kind of taking a look at our benchmark study here in a period of time where the median time to fill across the industry, you know, 95 health systems across the U.S. is, is 71 days. And for most folks, we're seeing it actually increase. But you're saying, hey, in this period of time, you know, through some influence over over the process or maybe just standard operating procedures, you're, you're seeing a drop. Are there other things that you're trying to impact, you know, as you as you drive this project forward? Yeah, the application is is one piece, but we're also adding on some Bolt products with Oracle, and we're we're implementing something called Oracle Booster. Mm-hmm. which is going to do a couple things for us. It's really neat. It's going to allow us two-way SMS messaging with candidates, something we don't have today. It's going to allow- And that's inter- an Oracle product? That's not a, or that's a mm-hmm. third party, or that's actually part of the Oracle suite? It's part of the Oracle suite. It's an add-on uh, okay, that just cool. came out. I, I want to say it was last August, September came out. Yeah, so nice. we'll, be, we'll, be, we'll be rolling on that this year. It, it, that'll allow interview scheduling functionality as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have- the process we've kind of to get to where we're at today, Matt, we've kind of squeezed everything out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we've got, we've got the people, right. We've got the, our processes, right. But we don't have a lot of the automation or technology to support the next level. Yeah. So things like, you know, from a candidate's lens today, 
we have when it, when a candidate applies, they receive an application acknowledgement email. It actually comes from an email address that's ekcm-dev5.fa.sender at Oracle something or another. <laughs> okay. So so things like little things yeah. like that. Every little thing matters to me. That matters tremendously to me. And that so yeah. we have now we're going to have a vanity email. It's IU Health at Careers. But think about offer letters that get lost, disposition letters that get lost. I don't know where I stand because yeah. I went to spam. Little little things yeah. like that. But we're building up, we're using Oracle, getting every drop out of it that we can and building in automate, automated communications mm-hmm. you know, throughout and, and, and triggering based on phases and states, here's what to expect. Here's the next step. And, and leveraging some resources we have outside of our TA team to help build those communications to make sure we're tied in yeah. to our organization's brand. And, and also we have the right, right communications and image that we're looking to, to portray. So I'm really excited about that. You know, before we roll our application, we're doing something really unique, I think. And that's, we're not going to, va- we're not going to assume that, you know, Justin's right on this application. This is exactly mm-hmm. what we, what we need it to look like. We're validating our assumptions mm-hmm. doing that really uniquely, I think. And so just this morning, we had an internal voice of the customer session. So we, we revamped our internal application apply and created you know some some things that were much nice cleaner looking mm-hmm. for internal applies internal candidates and things like change the the tile from current jobs to search internal careers mm-hmm. uh, a little thing because actually a lot of people thought current jobs was the current job that they're in and didn't know mm-hmm. that that's how they explored new careers so that uh, and then created some use some new technology that Oracle has to make it look cleaner and, and so anyway we, we tested that with an internal group of entry-level employees. We had some nurses on there. We had some RCS associates and said, hey, how does this look to, to apply as an internal? Yeah. Give us some feedback. So we got feedback from that. We got feedback from our, our talent acquisition professionals and through some surveying that we're doing today where they're taking our old application, they're taking our new application and saying, hey, what else would you like to see in here based on your knowledge and experience? And then, and then probably the most unique thing that we're doing to test and validate these application assumptions is I actually tied into our digital marketing team mm-hmm. and I took 10 spots from a user, from user lytics that we have. And we have 10 people coming off the street, so to speak, that are going to be recorded and taking our application. I gave them mock resumes mm-hmm. uh, as, as nurse candidates. Five are going to be using our resume parsing. Five are going to be typing in their experiences. They'll be recorded the whole time, asked a series of questions. We're going to really gain that understanding of what it's like to apply into our organization. So, and then from there, we'll, before we roll out, we'll, we'll tweak as we can, or maybe earmark things that, Hey, this is a functionality that we'd love to have just not available quite yet to us. I love those extra steps. And so like that, that, that makes sense to me that you would lead in that direction. So people first, right. And then, you know, really, you know, developing a, a human centered design on your on your tech platforms right and so you know really th- that's what you're doing right is ensuring before you release tech that you know it, it has you know human fingerprints on it and it's just not released just because hey we need to ship a piece of tech right and, and i love absolutely love the fact that you're doing some think aloud testing you know with that you know that that platform that you had articulated getting you know that those voices from from outside of the outside of the organization so when, when you think about some of the harder to fill roles at IU Health and you think about, you know, the candidate experience there, the candidate journey there. And so, you, hey, I get this application, you know, run in the way that I want it to run. You know, I get that that, you know, that hard to fill pharmacist role. 
a lot of organizations are struggling with getting into the database, right? So you've got a database that you've had in production for five years, right? Um, you've got leads in there, right? But at scale, sometimes we struggle with having that great pharmacist buried down in the, in the database, right? And not being able to resurface them and put them into, you know, recruitment, you know, processes. From our, our recent benchmarking, you know, study, we've found that, and we've got this statistic that, that we call candidate inventory. And, and really what candidate inventory is, is how long the hired candidate sits in a database on average from the time that they create their profile Okay, so hey, I create my profi profile on day one to the time that, that I actually get an offer accept. And across, you know, the, the, the continuum of, you know, the, the 95 organizations that, that, that the study ran against this year, the average time span is one year. That profile has sat in the database for, for one year. And so I've been talking to a lot of heads of TA just about how either manually they're dealing with that, or to your point, as you maybe evolve up, maybe some vision around automation. But any thoughts around that and, and maybe what's going on at IU Health to, to create that candidate experience for sourcing or recycling talent into the organization? Yeah, it's, I'm not surprised to hear that, that one-year mark. So I think if you have a connection point, it takes, it takes a variety of interactions to attract someone at we all know this and it's not just that one time and not that just that one event that gets them in. So it's about continually hitting on some of the key points that are important to them. And, uh, you know, and so one of the things that we're, Matt, we're still really early in some of this, but one of the things that I'm, am really proud of is we partnered with our fantastic recruitment marketing team, which we have a recruitment marketing te team of two. Who are amazing and are fully dedicated to talent acquisition. Highly recommend that if you can if you can swing that with your organization because they're incredibly valuable. But partnering together with them, we have just rolled out our first talent network uh, communication, and it's an email communication. It went out uh, recently, and just highlighting some of the, you know this is nothing new. This is kind of like baseline stuff, of sure, course. Yeah, yeah. But for us, it's a big deal because we're not we haven't been actualizing the data that's in there. Um, we have taken advantage of some automation with, we're actually using telemetry for our CRM component, and we have taken advantage of what they call a ZCIS or zero-click intelligence sourcing that's provided some good results for us. It mm. brings forward silver medalists and automatically you know, brings, brings them forward to new roles. By and large, it works well. I think there's, you know, with some of that technology, there's things that you, you need to set it up right. And so yeah. like some of our job descriptions it pulls in by by like like job descriptions or, or job titles and some of our titles we name them differently based on the unit or shift and things like that. So some of the, some of those things we're still kind of figuring out how that would work in and, mm -hmm. and fit with. But you know I think it's super important that as we build our strategy on how we're going to attract talent and build talent pipelines that we're thinking about all the variety of connection points and not just Matt externally. You know, tomorrow we have a we have an event that's taking place across all of our regions and, and all of our hospitals where we have an appreciation day for nurse support for nursing students and, and support staff. And this was something that was I can't take credit for. This is TA TA led though for my peer and our, our bedside nurse recruitment team. And and we're having fun events throughout, you know, and partnered yeah. with our with our CNOs to do that, but we're having fun events and that to me, that's one of the seven connection points that are critical because that internal, you know, that's a that's a recruitment opportunity and an oh, opportunity for, sure. for us to to keep that 
to keep that talent within our organization. And so it's not all, you know, a text message or an email communication. Sometimes it's more personal and at that level mm-hmm. too. And, and those are, and, and campus recruitment is another piece of that. And making the, the local personal connections are, are really important. Yeah. We're seeing more and more, you know, folks in talent acquisition who historically have been focused on the outside get more involved in these engagement events and and actually leading them. And it's great to hear that that's going on there. You know, a couple of things that that are positive outcomes there for sure is, you know, the opportunity to help your internal employees understand the career ladders. I mean, you, you would be amazed about, you know, folks inside of organizations that have been there for quite some time, don't understand all of the opportunities and options for them uh, from a career perspective. You know, there also is a, a huge opportunity there when you get somebody in front of, in front of you that, that really is passionate about the organization to ask for referrals, right? And it's so simple, right? And so like, hey, if, if you love IU Health the way that I do, do you know about our referral program? Do you know how that works, right? And so, and, and, and again, that grassroots effort pays dividends, you know, inside of the organization, you know, a client of ours, Stanford Health, they do this, um, you know, religiously, you know, you know, across the organization. And the leader there just professes how important, you know, that is, you know, for, for her and for her operation. So you talked a little bit about, you know, kind of the, the internal focus, you know, I, I know that you're also, as you think about your, your pipeline strategy, we talked about you, you going down to the high school level. Right. And this idea of, you know, building the future pipelines for talent. And so I think that's the other thing that a lot of talent acquisition teams are being asked to do is not only help with engagement and retention, but also think more broadly about, you know, the future pipeline. So would you mind talking a little bit about some of your fellowship programs and and how you're getting and, and reaching into the future? Yeah, Matt, you know, we have a we have an onus on all of us to preach the profession. Mm-hmm. And to build pipelines for for healthcare, not not for IU Health, for healthcare in general. Coming from pharmacy school, I I saw enrollments in my previous role continue to decline, and and there are a variety of reasons for that. But but why are why are students not going into healthcare roles? And I you know I think there's some of it could be pandemic driven, and some of the additional functions that were asked of, of professionals and you know during that time and that may have turned off students. They may not have had access to do as many job shadowing and things like that during that time. And there, there a variety of other reasons. Second, you know, secondary enrollment is down as well across the US. So there's this is a much larger uh, opportunity, I think, for all of us to be focused on and, and to support the, the future of healthcare in this country. But one of the things that we're doing here, and this started a few years back before I was here, but it's really unique and, and we're really taking advantage of, of everything we can with this is we've developed a partnership with Indianapolis Public Schools and, and locally at Crispus Attics High School, which is it's actually near, nearby our headquarters here, but it's in an underserved area and mm-hmm. traditionally. And we have a really innovative program that is now being run under an arm of our talent acquisition team. And we have cohorts of, of, of student fellows. And so we have 19 seniors, students that are going to be seniors next year. We have 31 juniors and 38 sophomores. And these are students that are interested in careers in healthcare. Yep. And we're providing work-based learning, internships, opportunities. Those seniors that are they're going into their senior year next year, those 19, they've already received their CNA. 
Hmm. And they're going on clinical rotations starting in January where they'll be rounding in our facilities and uh, they're going to receive their CCMA by the time hmm. they graduate. So as you so know, the CNA is a certified nurse assistant. And then, so you've got, so that's kind of the track that you're putting them on. You're putting them on that nursing track. That, that is one opportunity for them. It's not limited at all to that. And so okay. we're actually guaranteeing them a position with us. And so oh, that wow. could be through CNA. Right out of high school. Right out right. of high school. But, you know, interestingly, Matt, and as our CEO puts it, we want them to decline that offer. Okay. That, that is not the goal. The goal is for them to pursue post-secondary, you know, in se- secondary and post-secondary potentially as well. We want, we want to support them in whatever they want to do. We want to help build these career paths. and, and one of these 19 or multiple to become physicians mm-hmm. and, and hopefully work for us. Right. But, but, you know, in reality though, some of them may be completing, you know, go, going to a two or four year degree program and may still work for us as a medical assistant. Some may work for us full time and accept that offer while they're figuring things out and then decide that, Hey, I want to go to, you know, now I want to go to nursing school as a result. So those are, those are all realities. We're going to meet those students where they're at. But we're, our hopes are much larger than that than supplying a pipeline of, med, of MAs. Mm-hmm. Join hundreds of your healthcare TA peers and enjoy the benefits of a NACR membership today. Free educational webinars, access to our listserv, and discounts to your CHCR certification. All of this and much, much more for as low as $80 per person annually. Learn more at NACR.com. That's N-A-H-C-R.com. So we're coming up on maybe just a, a few more questions, if you're willing, and and yep. just uh, I love that idea of preach the profession, and so that that evangelism and and really the work that you're doing, you know, day in and day out there. So I was just thinking here a little bit about how hard it is to be a TA leader, to be a TA manager. There's a lot of stuff going on, right? You got hiring manager pressures, you got the team that you're running, you got process you're trying to fix. I mean, it's it's a it's a full time job for sure, times two, right? When, when you, when you come in and, and, you know, you're prioritizing your day, what, what metrics matter to you? Right. And so like, what, what do you keep an eye on to say, Hey, my team's healthy here or, Hey, I got a problem that I need to maybe look deeper at. Is there, is there, is there a set that you like, or is there a set that you like to focus in on? Yeah, I think it's, you know, some of the simple and and basic things are, are primary. So one of the things that, we look at pretty pretty closely our, our time and stage, and um, mm-hmm. you know, in particular, looking at we've really optimized our our recruiters' time and stage, but really looking at time with our leaders at, mm-hmm. and that's one thing that knowing everything that's on their plate. Some of the things that we've already talked about. How can we be better partners and influence in particular around that piece? And we have seen some significant drops with that, but we're nowhere near where where I want to be, where we need to be in order to be, you know, more efficient and, 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 and timely with candidates. Mm-hmm. And, and some of that's process related, some of it's priority related, you know, mm-hmm. with our, with our leaders. So, you know, we've done a lot with working with, for example, our nursing leaders to ensure that, Hey, we have a, we have a consistent hiring process and we have a part that we all play and, and here's what's owned from our leaders. And here's some of the expectations that are there. And Hey, this is it culturally, this is a priority. So if you have an interview and, you know, an interview, you know, if it drops on your calendar kind of thing, like that takes precedent. It's okay for you to miss another meeting if you're a nurse manager, because I'm going to take care of my team and I'm going to ensure that I'm doing everything I can around talent. So 
that's one of the most important ones. You know, nothing unique there that we're looking at, you know, but we're also getting a lot more into looking at building out analytics for in using Oracle for some of that to look and project out our hiring trends. So looking at, and these are things that we haven't yet done and, and honestly haven't had the need to do as a health system before, but now we're in a completely different time and looking at what kind of, what kind of talent pipelines do we need to build for certain roles and what, where are the percentages of those individuals going to come from? So looking mm-hmm. at, you know, medical assistant, for example, X percentage is going to come from internal talent through some internal programming that we have, a certain percentage is going to come from external and, and really building out the, some reporting structure for that and some setting some goals within, within our hospitals and regions. And so that's one area that we're, we're definitely looking to expand when it comes to some of our data and being able to better, better predict and work with our leaders on, hey, what's our hiring needs going to be for you know, the rest of the year for 20, or in 2024? I love that. Last question. So you, 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 you headed in this direction because of learning, you know, you, you profess that you're really interested and engaged in, in that idea of continuous improvement, right? Is there spots that you go to, to, you know, kind of learn more about talent acquisition, learn more about healthcare? Are there recommendations that you would give the audience on like, you know, Hey, you know, here, here's some ways that I stay connected into the industry that, that might be helpful. Yes, I Rogue Hire first off is a great resource and a great connection. I'm on a meeting tomorrow with some other Oracle users. I think it's the first kickoff call that we're going to have. At, through Rogue Hire, I met with a, a another health organization that also has Oracle and just talked a little bit more about going back to the conversation around how are we using some of the candidate or some of the individuals in our CRM and how are we bringing them forward to new jobs and talk just about that and and ask them some questions around how they're building some process within Oracle and using some of the candidate pools that they're creating. And so that was a connection that I made through there. Hmm. I, you know, I read and listen constantly. So listening mm-hmm. podcasts is my num- number one. So, you know, this is a great learning opportunity. I'm on that learning journey. I have learned a ton from the guests that you've had on and hopefully I added a nugget maybe that, that someone could take away. Yeah, good um, job. But there's, there's some other great podcasts out there. TA leadership. Leaders podcast is an excellent one as well. I've I've signed up for a variety of webinars and you know I take advantage of those. But I think the key with all of that, Matt, the, the most important thing is that when you're listening to this podcast, when you're mm-hmm. reading an article, when you're reading a white paper, I've got one right back here about talent pipeline white paper and from a health organization, some of the things we're doing. What are the what are the takeaways that mm-hmm. you had from that? And yeah. so what I do is I I have ways that I keep myself organized to keep those, those nuggets in a, in a fashion where I can come back to them. So, hmm. you know, making sure that I have them organized, if it's PDFs, I've got, I've got a folder that's got tons of, of articles and PDF mm-hmm. and it's all sorted by different topics. So if I'm looking mm-hmm. at internal career referral things, technology thing, you know, I've got it all organized. So I may not do anything with it when I read it at that moment, but I know where it's at and I'm going to come back to it. And then I like to highlight and kind of keep some t- key, key nuggets. And I, I'm a PowerPoint kind of guy. So mm-hmm. I've got a PowerPoint that's like 200, 300 slides at this point. And I, I categorize my ideas and I keep them there. And there might be a little piece that I took away from a podcast, from something I read, from a connection. I had a conversation with this TA leader. Oh, that's a really interesting idea. 
I may not be able to do anything with that at this moment, but I might, I might come back to it a year from now. Goes you know, in the PowerPoint deck. It goes in, yeah, but it doesn't get, it doesn't just stay there. So <laughs> that's just my peripheral. Brain. That's the vault, man. We're going to have to maybe have you back and unpack what's in the vault, man. That sounds like super interesting to me. Yeah. I, now that I know this here at the end of this show, it sounds like round two's coming. What is in that PowerPoint? We all want to know. <laughs> Well, There's I appreciate you very much. Stay with me, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you very much. And I appreciate the, the plug for Rogue Hire. There's a lot of great resources out there. And, you know, certainly we, we we're very proud of the virtual community. And, and I'm glad to hear that you're getting some, some value out of, out, out of it. So, hey, are, you're active on LinkedIn. If folks wanted to reach out, if they're listening to this, if they wanted to learn more, would it be okay for them to ping you? Absolutely. I'd welcome that. All right, Justin. Hey, appreciate you coming on the show today. Thanks for joining in and we'll see you soon. Thanks, Matt. All right. All right. We want to thank you for listening to TA in the Trenches. We are produced by Iron Mike and his team at Ironbound Media. Keep up the great work, team. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and check out all of our episodes at knacker.com. That's N-A-H-C-R.com. You also can find me out on LinkedIn where you'll find quick show riffs. Feel free to ping me. I always respond. Bye for now. <laughs>